I'm going to ask Tim to go to a close-up shot so that you're able to see me this morning as I greet you. Good morning. My name is Steve. You know, 300-some years ago, sign language didn't exist. So the communication for the deaf community was a struggle, was almost impossible. I want to put you there this morning. I want you to think about that. Now, 2,000 years ago in Jesus' time, that communication, an impossibility, understanding, an impossibility as we look at Jesus, the great otolaryngologist this morning. That is the doctor who treats throat and ear maladies in our day and age. You're probably used to the word otorhinolaryngologist and ENT, which is all three eye, ears, nose, and throat. But this is an otolaryngologist. As we see Jesus today touch and heal a man in need. You know, thinking about that situation, coming upon it, we look at the scriptures. If you would open that to Mark chapter 7, verse 31, either looking in your bulletins or in your pew Bibles, I'd like to begin as we talk about this. Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. Some people brought a man. Now I want you to think about this, to really get a hold of this man's situation. First and foremost, where am I going? Where are you taking me? He doesn't understand. They really can't communicate that to him. And they come upon a scene where this man is brought into a crowd. Think about a crowd. We look at a crowd and if we're able, thank the Lord, to hear and to speak and to understand, we can kind of gauge what's going on. But if you have none of those abilities and you come on a crowd, you're probably first wondering, why is there? A crowd. That's confusing to you. And crowds react. And what is this crowd reacting to? I don't understand that. And then these people who bring you, bring you to see a certain person in that crowd. And you don't know who that person is. The anxiety level for this man must have been on the high side, incredibly stressed, wondering what's going on. You've taken me out of my home. You've brought me to this situation. He's agitated. He's scared. He doesn't know what's going on. Think about that. That's the situation for this man today, wondering what is about to take place. And so we see Jesus, our great Otolaryngologists take this man and do some incredibly tender things for him, things in order to communicate what Jesus is going to do for him. And it says, and he, after he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus took him out of this situation, out of the stressful situation of a crowd, took him aside alone. Maybe to calm him down. Maybe to get him in a place where this man could focus on Jesus alone without all the distraction going on that even though he couldn't hear, he could see all this movement and this action. 
What a tender shepherd we truly have who understands this need to bring somebody out of that situation in order to address what's going on in his life. And Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears and then he spit and touched the man's tongue. Jesus uses sign language with this man. You can almost see the conversation going on. Jesus looking at this man, taking his fingers. You can't hear, and he puts his fingers in his ears. And the man probably nods, yes. And then Jesus spits and takes his finger and touches the man's tongue. You can't talk either. And the man, yes. Jesus letting this man know that he understands his situation. He understands what's wrong. Letting him see his mouth moving by spitting and by touching his tongue so that the man understands Jesus is communicating with him. And then it says, he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Epitha, which means be opened. Again, Jesus using sign language with this man, looking up to heaven so that this man might know where this healing is coming from. It's coming from God. And then Jesus speaks that word after he makes a deep sigh. The word again that Mark has captured for us this week so that we could actually hear the words of Jesus in that situation. Epitha, be opened. But I want you to take your focus for a minute and look at what it says, that Jesus breathed a deep sigh. And I want to pause on that for a moment and ask you, why do you think that was? Why did Jesus breathe a deep sigh? And I submit to you that I believe it was because Jesus, who is in touch with our maladies, in touch with the things that are wrong with us, in touch with our lot in this sinful life, was sighing in recognition and in compassion. The word actually means from the guts. It was deep within him that this sigh came. Think about for a moment maybe a child who has an incredibly promising career, who's doing really well in school. Everything's opening, the doors everywhere. Things are going great and suddenly something happens in this person's life and they tank. Maybe they get addicted to a substance or something else happens. They lose that drive and they lose that ambition. It's one of those things that you and I would say really kicks you in the guts. One of those things that we would just sigh over. It wasn't supposed to be like this. I believe Jesus sighed for that reason too. Sighing at sin in our world, it wasn't supposed to be like this. This wasn't God's plan in the beginning. To see us suffer, to see us ache, to see us work through our lives in sinful conditions that we cannot change, it wasn't supposed to be like this. And Jesus sighed. But the master of Lord and life, the master over creation, doesn't leave it there, doesn't leave this man in a hopeless situation. No, he speaks that word and the man's ears and his tongue are open. At this it says the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. You know, there's usually a learning curve for somebody who gets a cochlear implant or some other operation to be able to hear because realize they've never heard sound. We learn to speak by imitation, by hearing parents talk to us and to repeat those sounds back. Someone who's never heard that is going to have a long learning curve. But Jesus, 
the master otolaryngologist who comes and who touches, who does everything well. Immediately, this man is healed. Immediately, he can speak. He can communicate. He can hear the voices of those friends who brought him, loving people around him. He can hear the wonders and the sounds of creation now that God had intended, and he can hear the voice of Jesus. And Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more they did so, the more they kept talking about it. You know, this Decapolis, the ten cities is what that means, is an interesting place. When Jesus first came to the Decapolis, they drove him out, asked him to leave. Do you remember that? The man who was demon-possessed that Jesus healed, who he allowed the demons to go into the herd of pigs and they ran off the hill. Do you remember the crowd, the town coming to Jesus, asking him to leave? And yet the scriptures tell us that that man who was healed went about telling everyone about the wonders that Jesus had done. So when Jesus comes back into this region today, there is a crowd. A crowd that wants to see him. A crowd that comes around him. A crowd that wants him to heal and to touch. What a difference one voice did in those cities, in the Decapolis, in this Gentile region, to make the crowd want to see Jesus. But they won't stop talking about it. And why does Jesus say that? It isn't reverse psychology. What it is is just this simply. They want always when they see Jesus, when there's a miracle, it always is a task for Jesus to put that away because they want to make him the kind of Messiah that they want, an earthly king, one who will rule, one that they can proclaim king over Rome. Jesus is always being lauded and hailed and wanting to have them move him up on the ladder of society to establish him in something he wants no part of. All of that is always secondary to Jesus. Jesus' first and foremost mission is always focused on the reason he came, that he set his face toward Jerusalem and he set his face towards the cross. That is what he wants focused on. The reason that he came to redeem you and me. Everything else is a distraction to him. So that's why he tells them not to tell. But the more he did it, the more they proclaimed him. His wonders are known throughout the region. How hard it must have been for Jesus to constantly be sorting through the crowds and sorting through the accolades to bring his disciples back to the mission at hand. The mission of why the Son of Man came to the earth to seek and to save those that were lost, to redeem fallen mankind, to restore the situation that wasn't supposed to be like this. Now I want to look at this just a little more and maybe we can make some analogies for ourselves as we look at this man. Look at the situation of his inability to speak his inability to hear. We said in the confession this morning that so often we close our ears to the word and we fail to speak when we are supposed to. That is true of our situation. So much in our lives distract us from what is primary and the secondary things of life always pull our attention away from the most important thing we have, the message of the gospel. But also I want to look for a moment at the few words at the beginning, they brought to him those people who had enough compassion to bring this man to Jesus. Friends. You know, we bring people to Jesus 
This morning at 11 o'clock, a family will bring their child to Jesus. We do that in baptism. We bring our children to Jesus because they're unable to come on their own. They're connected there in those waters of baptism. We bring people to Jesus and children to Jesus throughout our school, continuing what's promised in a baptism, that we will put in front of them the scriptures to learn about the wonder of this salvation, to grow in the knowledge, and to strengthen their faith. We do that for our children. How many of us do that for our friends? Would we bring them to Jesus? That message, that command that we are given in the last chapter of Matthew, go therefore into all the world, make disciples, bring Jesus to people, connect them to the one who died and rose again. These friends of this man had so much care for him, for a man who in that society realized that deafness was considered insanity in Jesus' day still cared enough about him to bring him to this man who had made this demon-possessed man well, to bring him to the master, to the one who could touch his life and change it forever. What about us? What about the people that we know that in the deafness of life are in darkness, are in our confused and are wondering which way to turn, who don't know who to speak to, who don't know how to get out of their situation? Are we able to bring them to Jesus, maybe to invite them here, maybe to be people to speak into their lives. These are the gifts that we have been given to open deaf ears, to loosen tongues, to proclaim the wonders that God has done through his word for you and for me. How often don't we shut our ears to the things that we hear in the Word, the things that we say, I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to acknowledge who I am. As John said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. How often don't our tongues want to admit that when it comes to a time of confession? We are sinners. We are broken. It wasn't supposed to be like this. We are helpless, and we are in need of a Savior to redeem us. How often don't our tongues speak forgiveness when they should? Or to speak love to someone that only takes a moment? Or to speak of the wonders that you and I know so well because Jesus has come and touched our lives with his grace? We are God's people in this place called to speak and to hear his word and to proclaim it to the world around us that we too could open ears and touch tongues and change lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our calling, to love one another, to care enough about the lost in our midst and the lost that we know, to bring them to Jesus, to hear of that primary mission that he fulfilled for you and for me. May our lives not be distracted by the secondary things, by the worries that come upon us, by all the things that our world comes crashing around us. May we, as I said last week, be focused on the very thing, the sign that Jesus came to save us, the cross, the cross that we speak of. The cross that draws us to repentance. The cross that draws us to forgiveness. That draws us to once again speak of the grace and the wonders that Jesus has given us. 
What incredible things Jesus has done in our lives. He does everything well. He has done it well for us. Praise be to the Lord. Amen.